Invisible work. Sounds good. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Be sure to find out all about us at focusgroupradio.com. You'll also find our podcast there, which is TFG Unbuttoned, 20 minutes in and out. You'll also find our sponsors there. Be sure to click on their logos and start shopping away, and we'll we'll talk to you a little bit about uh, John's John's in a generous mood, and we'll be giving away socks so uh, listen in our, during our deep discount segment later on in the show. We'll talk about that. After we take a quick break, we're also going to have our business birthday and shop talk, which um, talks about invisible work, which is something you've talked about a lot, although you never gave it a name. I, I so. never gave it a name, no. But I'm glad to see that you, uh, on a different front, you got the memo in terms of wardrobe today. I think the Did memo I? went out was like plaid shirts, right? <laughs> well, we always wear blue, and then I had... I had a meeting with the city, and uh, I think I wore this. Yeah, I wore the same. That didn't change. But they're going back. We're going back now. Now that the mask mandate and everything is gone, we're going back to in-person meetings. Oh, that should be good. Well, you know, I'm getting used to the Zoom ones now. I don't want to have to get all dressed up. And go to City Hall, right? Go to City Hall, right? I mean, right now I can, did it, you know, two minutes before, click on, zip, I'm here. You know, shut the yeah. camera off, go to the bathroom, do things you need to do. It's funny you brought up the the mask thing because uh, our building, you know, the city, New York City and Jersey and Connecticut, a few other places have lifted the mandates for kids in school. And our building, I'm on our co-op board, they they wanted to follow suit, you know, so now the building does, doesn't have to have, you don't have to wear it in public places and stuff. It's going to feel kind of weird for a little bit, don't you think? I mean, you guys have been a little non-masked for a while because of your, you know, the infection rate and your location, but... It's going to be a little odd. Rural population. I laughed. I, I think it was on Saturday Night Live this weekend. Didn't somebody say something like they were spoofing on New York City? They said, uh, restaurants will no longer pretend they're looking at your vaccination card in New York City. <laughs> you know, they try to do their, and everybody I'm sure is hopefully acting honestly. But yeah, you have to wonder, right? Like, yeah. Well, it's, I, I listen, I loved not having a cold for two years right last winter and the winter mm-hmm. before i mean i was used to getting colds all the time we all got colds in the winter but i didn't know anybody who got a cold with the mask yep. thing and so i like the mask just for that you know not you know a bob cold. said to me the other day that even if they take it we still have to wear them on mass transit and most people still have to wear them on buses and planes and trains you know um, but when they do eventually change that he said to me are you going to feel weird in the winter time wearing one and I said, no, because it's just like what you said, Tim. It's kind of interesting not to have been sick for two years, right? Right. With just ridiculous colds and stuff. And whereas you used to look at people that were crazy. I know when I used to go to, um, when I traveled to Japan a lot in my other life, I used to see people wearing masks all the time. And I always thought it was somewhat odd, but, uh, you know, they're in such close confines. You know, Tokyo's got 20 plus million people and the cramped subways and transit and uh, just on the streets. And a lot of times people would wear masks and uh we we from western culture kind of felt odd about it but now i don't think 
nobody will nobody will look at you now. I don't think, unless you're in somewhere where it's uh, you know anti-vaxxer territory. You head south, <laughs> go to Texas, Florida. Go see, go see DeSantis maybe, in Florida. Maybe the governor will yell at you for wearing a mask and, on TV, and if, and you're a kid, and you and you're like, what's going on? What what, what is this guy doing? You know, these so, you people know, are there. The, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was up in the nutmeg state, state, which is Connecticut, uh, our home stomping ground. I was staying with my mom for a few days, and I tell you, Tim, you know that saying they always say you can't go back. You know, you yeah. know, you know when people say you can't go back. I don't know if I could ever go back. You know, I mean, it would be very different. It's a very different state, or our towns are very different from what we grew up in. Well, yes, very much. Did you go through Southbury? Mm-hmm. You Southbury's bet I did. really changed. That's, my mom even commented on it. She said, you know, I think they have different zoning laws there because it's very developed. Yeah, they have one stamp. It's called approved. <laughs> yeah. Remember the pumpkin patch? Yeah. So they've even built more. You probably, last time you were there, you probably saw they built even more down there. Oh, yeah. It's um, crazy. Yeah. No, it's crazy what's going on there. But it's, there's no turning back. I, th- I think the night. The, I think the only place in that area now. I don't, I'm not sure about Middlebury because you guys never had much commercial anyway. But Woodbury has has kept to yep. their yep, kept to their have. standards. As is Rocks. As is Roxbury and Washington. Did you get over to Washington Depot? We went to the depot. Can you pronounce it for me, Lake Warmog? Am I saying that Lake right? Lake Warmog. Yeah, Warmog. We we drove around the lake. You know, I, I was going to the grocery store for my mom and I was, I had time to get back to the house and I just thought, I'm just going to take a, a ride at Quasi and I'll see where I end up. I ended up in Oxford. I, I went by the Oxford airport. <laughs> I, I didn't know where I was. And I was like, I had to, you know, find my way back, but you can't get too lost in Connecticut. But Oxford, actually, I don't remember the last time I was there. It has a cute little Hamlet downtown thing, a couple restaurants. Have you been to Oxford lately? Uh, I think the last time I was in Oxford was 1978. I, yeah. I, I don't remember. <laughs> Tim, I got to tell you, the last time might have been high school for me. So yeah. I'm, I didn't even know where I was. I'm like, where am I? And, and this is a town right next to where we grew up. You know, it's like in Manhattan, they say your life is lived within four blocks of your apartment. And I'm guessing in Connecticut, it's lived within, what, eight miles of your house? <laughs> well, I remember one time I was in Manhattan and, and I was staying with our friend Jay up in the Upper East Side. And I told her I was going to go down and see you. We were going to meet for lunch somewhere in Chelsea. She's like, where's that? <laughs> and I was like, I was like whatever. <laughs> where's that? So, you know, Jay. Yeah, and that and that's that's quintessential Jay beyond anything else, right? Right. We're, and you'd say the same thing. I'm going to the Upper East Side. Where's that? Well, before <laughs> we moved on to the Upper West, we thought when you had to take the train uptown, you need an oxygen mask. We're going so far north. Put oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see the thing with the? I tried to find out. I was going to do it as it caught my eye, but I I couldn't find out whether it was true or not. But it was all over the papers, and then it was actually on MSN, on on uh, MSN's uh, newsfeed. That uh, some woman with a with a jar of pickles, they're calling it a jar of cucumbers, took out a Russian drone. <laughs> How'd she do that? Some Ukrainian woman, she was up in a high rise, and I guess there was a drone, a Russian drone that's one of these smaller drones. Yeah. And she picked up a jar of pickles and threw it at her. It says a jar of cucumbers, but, you know, jar of pickles and knocked the drone down. <laughs> God bless her. 
<laughs> that's that's a projectile slash weapon I would never think of, right? Jar of well, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, they're showing these pictures of some of these farmers that are stealing the Russian tanks and Russian mm-hmm. artilleries with their tractors. Somebody says American pickers will be there in 30 years. <laughs> oh, yeah, I picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how'd you how'd you get this? How'd you get this surface to air launcher? I drug it. The Soviets came in. <laughs> I Russians dragged it into in. the barn, put a burlap tarp <laughs> over it, called it a day. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny what's going on there, but um I do love the uh the strength and the durability of the Ukrainians. Yeah. And, uh, I agree. Yeah. So so Mr. Nash, what uh what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here is what Tim and John found. All right. I think that you are going to find this one to be close to one of our favorite headlines of all times. Uh-oh. You know, topless, headless body, topless bar. This is sort of close. But basically, the headline is this, and it's a very short article. It comes to us from uh, Denver, but it's a box of human heads stolen from truck in Denver. A box of human heads. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Police in Denver are investigating the theft of a box of human heads from a parked truck in the city last week. The unknown suspect who stole the box, labeled exempt human specimen. (laughs) They have no idea who the suspect is. The box was full of human heads meant to be used for medical research. The box also bore a stamp that said science, care, Label KDVR reports. Science Care is a program for donating bodies to science for research and educational purposes. The truck was parked in the 7700 block of East 23rd Avenue. If you lived in Denver, I suppose you know where that is. When the thief broke into the freight company's truck sometime between 2.30 p.m. Wednesday and 9.30 a.m. Okay. So right off the bat, that's a pretty long time that truck's parked there. Thursday and left the box of human remains in a dolly, police said. It's unclear if the suspect was aware of what was inside of the box. Um, No arrests have been made and investigations are continuing. uh, And police are encouraging anyone who has information to come forward. And there's a tipster line. You could earn $2,000 if you you come forward with information about who stole the box of human heads. Could you imagine getting this thing home? You think maybe... It's electronics or whatever you open it up and, and I got a bunch of drugs. Yeah. You, you know. <laughs> well, maybe you can't read, but I mean, wouldn't you kind of think that if the box said human remains or something like that, that you you wouldn't want to steal it? I maybe it's me. I don't know. <laughs> First of all, I'm a little bit concerned about heads. So yes. you know, I understand they did cadavers, you know, you do medical research. Mm-hmm. But what are they doing with heads? Great question. I I maybe did it's more- dental, maybe it's for dental work. I don't know. I did what you did on many of the articles you find sometime that are almost like too hard to believe. I went and I double-checked this and found seven to eight other stories from the Colorado area and then one from a Chicago paper. So yeah, there was a box of heads that got stolen, but not one of them said, oh, and by the way, these heads were destined for blankety-blankety-blank right. or brain surgeons or, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Or they're going to do, right, or eye doctors will look at, uh, these were all heads that people had severe or glaucoma mm-hmm. or cardiac uh, or, or cataracts or brain injury or whatever yeah. but yeah totally crazy so that was mine <laughs> so mine's mine's a little different but um equally as i had to i had to check it because they're blaming the scoop so the uh the headline is personal trainer dies from caffeine overdose after accidentally drinking the equivalent of 200 cups of coffee <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my God, two hundred. Co- I like the picture you gave me to put in here. By the way, a little beefcake having coffee. Nice. No, that's him. He's dead. That's, that's him. him. No, I'm, I, I, oh. I, I, I spent a little time finding something for you to look at. So. If you're cat watching the, the video, cat to the catnip, same. And by the way, there's a lot of things you can't use anymore. They all have that Getty over them. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, this was a 29 year old personal trainer from England, outside of London, and uh, named Tom Mansfield, 29 years old. And so, <laughs> it, this is all throughout the article. They keep saying he got his maths wrong. M a t h s maths. Yeah, like wrong. his his calculation for calories or whatever, right? Why don't we just say he he he, he didn't measure properly? Would you ever say you got your maths wrong? I never. I, first of all, I have trouble saying it. I got my maths wrong. My maths wrong. Have you? Ever I said have that? heard that. You know, it's funny you bring it up, but I have I have read it and I have heard it from folks in the UK. They got yeah, the, there they you got go. The figures. That's why I want the figures on that. I want the figures right. on that. Aluminium. They throw that extra. Yeah, aluminium. Aluminium. Yeah. Aluminium. There's too many too many syllables. Anyway, Tom's Manfield's got his maths wrong when measuring his dose of caffeine powder, the coroner said. So he ingested five grams of caffeine powder, which was the equivalent of 200 cups of coffee. So what he bought this 100 milligram tub. So, you know, a lot of weightlifters, you get protein powder, you get caffeine to help you, you know, stimulate your workout, make you feel more energy, energized, and it'll burn more fat when you're doing your workouts, right? So he buys this caffeine powder and he mixes it, but doesn't pay attention to how he was to mix it because he said there was no scoop. So if there okay. was a scoop. That's, that's yeah. A. <laughs> so apparently if there was a scoop, everything would have been okay. done better. Because the recommended dose of caffeine powder that according to the, um, for the gym goers that it said on the label was between 60 to 300 milligrams or 0.002 to 0.01 ounces. Wow. They said, but Mansfield's digital scale started at the weight of two grams, which was already (gasps) 0.07. And then because the product didn't come with a measuring scoop, he kind of did it by eye and he miscalculated the measurement and scooped up to five grams of powder into the, into the cup and then mixed it up. They said, uh, he was aiming for the mid range, but, uh, he got his mass wrong according to the BBC. So he took a sip of the mixture and, uh, Witnesses that were there said that, you know, he kind of you know made a face or whatever that was a little strong, but he downed it really quick. The rest of it on January 5th, after he drank it, he began clutching his chest and complaining his heart was beating fast. Minutes later, he started foaming at the mouth. Paramedics arrived. They tried to resuscitate him for 45 minutes before pronouncing him dead. Um, the postmortem said his caffeine levels were at 392 milligrams per liter of blood where the average person would have about two. Oh, my God. Meaning he consumed about the equivalent of 200 cups of coffee. So the, ca- the cause of death was caffeine toxicity. Yeah. Oh. According to- <sighs> so they've reached out to the company, Blackburn Distributors, and they uh, said they will now provide a scoop in the caffeine powder. It-, it took this poor guy, though, eyeballing it. And then don't you think you might have not downed the whole cup after you had that bad reaction to the first taste, though? You know what I'm talking about? Like you said, he made a face and... I guess you wouldn't think that this would kill you, though, right? I mean, if you dump Caffeine, some protein no. powder or or just, you know, you dump protein powder. Oh, if I take too much, I'll I'll pee it out or whatever, right? I, mean, I completely you, agree with you. It would not cross my mind that that would be something that, it could that would kill be you. 
Yeah, life threatening. Yeah. yeah. No, I wow. was shocked to I was shocked to see this, and I a box of heads and a dead trainer from caffeine only on the focus group. <laughs> see, you understand. <laughs> you understand. You understand, of course. Yeah. So, hey, as many of you know, Deep Discounts, friends of ours here on the focus group, and uh, we like them, so we'd like you to support them. And you'll find them by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo. Start shopping away. Right now, they have a spring site-wide sale. And uh, that means everything's for sale. But uh, we picked out, John and I, as usual, both picked out a couple of items that we uh, think caught our fancy. And so, Mr. Nash, what, what did you find this week? I'll just simply say that it's the month of March. We're giving socks away, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, letters at focusgroupradio.com. Letters at focusgroupradio.com. Send me an image of what you bought or maybe... You could forward the email, the sales confirmation from Deep Discount, and include your mailing address, and I will send you a pair of Focus Group Radio socks. We've done this before, and we've had a lot of response. So if you're getting something from Deep Discount and you want some socks to boot, letters at focusgroupradio.com, include your mailing address. All right, I picked a absolute classic, and I did it for a reason. I picked Citizen Kane. Now, the reason I picked this Citizen Kane is this is from the Criterion Collection, and they did a beautiful remastering of the original black and white film. There is a ton of added material. I mean, interviews with some of the people that, you know, film historians, anybody that's like survived this production, because this was obviously done quite a while ago. But if, if you haven't seen Citizen Kane in a while, I highly recommend just watching it again. You know, it's, it's Orson Welles. In the most, in, in really his dazzling debut as a feature director. Um, and it's, he was 25 when he did this. And there are camera angles and techniques that were used in Citizen Kane that just literally defined the modern motion picture and, and storytelling. So I would, you know, I just say I saw this at Deep Discount and I, when I got an eye full of what they had as the extras on this Criterion one, it's just worth it for the extras, but they did a 4K remaster. It looks beautiful. So my recommendation this week is Citizen Kane because it's one of those award-winning films and it helped define Hollywood. You know what? It's so funny. I picked Citizen Kane as well, but it, it was back-ordered, the one I picked. I didn't pick the Criterion one. So make sure. <laughs> it's the Criterion one, right? Did make you sure really the Criterion? I did. I looked at it. I said, you know what? I'm going to get this. And then it's, I saw that it was back-ordered. So I said, I'll pick something else. So that's funny. So the Criterion one is available, so be sure to get Citizen Kane. For some reason, we both picked that, which is odd. So I went forward since my my pick wasn't there, and I don't. I've not seen any of these movies, but I'm a huge fan, as you are, the B-52s, and they often cite Fellini and uh, the director Fellini of uh, having a big influence on them and an inspiration for a lot of their music. Uh, these Fellini films. So I thought, you know what? I've not seen any of these. And here's an opportunity to get almost the whole, well, what they say are 14 of the best uh, movies he's done um, on Blu-ray. And it's uh, the Essential Fellini Collection. It's also Criterion. And uh, they said, 100 years after his birth, Federico Fellini still stands apart as a giant in cinema. And uh, have you seen any Fellini films? I have a cu I've seen a couple, and um, I I hope I'm not misspeaking when I say that one of them is Satyricon. Yep. yep. Um, they are avant-garde. They are different. 
there are a lot of things, but they're classics. And I, when I saw, when you sent the link and you said you had picked this essential Fellini, I always, I just laughed and I said to Bob, I said, Tim has the flair for finding these interesting things that really are cool. I mean, the packaging alone looks fantastic, but I love the connection you made from the B-52s the inf and the influence that Fellini might have had on them because one of your favorite bands. So I right. perfect pick, absolutely perfect. Yeah, pick. they talk about him all the time. And actually in their last album, which was Funplex, they had a song called Ju Juliet of the Spirits, which was one of his movies from 1965. And uh, so, yeah, so I... And because the B fifty two, it's kind of there. There to me is the good ha good housekeeping seal of approval. So if <laughs> if B fifty twos are telling me you should watch some of this, because if you like us, you're going to like these Fellini movies. Similar to with you with Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill You and uh -huh. Bob, right? Yeah. Or yep. or Great Gardens. The other thing about this you mentioned, John, not only is it cool packaging, but it also has two very lavishly illustrated books with hundreds of pages of content and notes by some famous scholars. So. And uh, and other filmmakers. So not only would you get these fourteen films, plus you get these two uh, two illustrated books, and you'd save forty one percent. It's all for under one hundred fifty bucks. So if somebody who's a movie lover and you're always looking for something for somebody, I think this would be a good gift. Yeah, you and and the fact that you and I went to the Criterion well, I tell you. <laughs> Okay, and the release this week is a movie that I really do want to see. It's the uh, the Matrix Resurrections, if I've got that right. Yeah, yep. Matrix Resurrections. Uh, for 20 years, coder Thomas Anderson, who's Keanu Reeves, had been living an ordinary life in San Francisco, save for haunting dreams of surreal conflict. It, it took an encounter with Morpheus for him to realize that his consciousness had again been imprisoned by the Matrix and that Neo must reunite with Trinity to aid humanity's new rebellion against his cybernetic captors. Lana Wachowski directs this anticipated series. So, Interestingly about the Matrix series of films, I just told you the director's name is Lana Wachowski. Well, Lana is a famous, that was, it used to be the Wachowski brothers brought us the, um, the, the, the Matrix movies, and Lana transitioned a few years ago. Um, and, and many people look at the, the Matrix movies as somehow being a metaphor or a simile for her journey in, in, in terms of her transition. I, I have to like, think about that or read more of that critique to see see about that but that's a fascinating little side note that it, it's lana who directed this lana wakowski um but these films remember when the first matrix came out i mean come i was on, gonna see have you seen the other ones yes you, yeah i've seen you, all you them. like you like you like the franchise i still think the first one's my favorite yeah. um i like some of the, the the direction the other ones have taken but um yeah i i still think the first one would be my favorite Okay. So, folks, again, uh, let me scroll back here to what we were talking about before. It's a site-wide sale, and in honor of the month of March, we're giving Focus Group Radio socks away. If you buy something from Deep Discount, uh, send us a picture of what you buy, or maybe just forward the uh, the email receipt you get. Include your mailing address and send it to letters at focusgroupradio.com. And because you've went to Deep Discount, which you get there by going to our site, focusgroupradio.com, clicking on the Deep Discount logo, start your shopping. And this month, get a pair of Focus Group Radio socks. I pick Citizen Kane, the Criterion version. Uh, it is an incredible repackaging of the movie, a 4K restoration. And the, the added material alone is worth the cost of this entire, um, this entire disc set because there's so much great stuff. And Kane is like, a classic and tim picked it too but the one he picked was out of stock <laughs> back order 
Tim picked the Essential Fellini Collection, which again, and the uh, the genesis here was B-52s made several nods to this director. Hence, Tim wants to find out more. Brilliant, I think. Very brilliant. And the uh, release this week is The Matrix Resurrections. So, uh, folks, deepdiscount.com. Go to focusgroupradio.com and then start your shopping by clicking on their logo. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we have the business birthday and some shop talk for you. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hello, everybody. It's Tim Bennett here with Mr. John T. Nash. We are the focus group. Learn more about us at focusgroupradio.com. And be sure to get the audio version of the show every Saturday. It's released. Uh, For those of you who have been with us for the long haul, going on 14 years of listening to us on Saturdays and getting your chores done, we uh, still see a big bump of uh, listeners on Saturdays, so uh, thank you. Mr. Nash, we have our, uh, our business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. I'd be willing to bet that you've never been to one of these places. But uh, we'll see when I when I tell you, Mr. Jimmy Haslam, H-A-S-L-A-M. Real name is James, not real name, but formal name is James Arthur Haslam III. Born March 9th, 1954. He's celebrating his 68th birthday today. An American businessman and sports executive. Where do you get his claim to fame? He's chairman of the board of the Pilot Flying J truck stop chain. Which, wait, uh, wait, 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 the Pilot Flying J truck, truck stop, stop chain. So these must be a lot in the Midwest, right? Yeah, and out west, or you know where you'd find major interstates. Probably you're right. Probably Harrisburg, between Harrisburg okay. and Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. There's a, there's a hundred of them. Uh, it's uh, owned by the Pilot Corporation, which his dad had started. It's one of the largest, uh, they said, top 10 privately held companies in the United States. Employs more than 24,000 employees. They have a network that provides customers with access to more than 70,000 parking spaces for trucks. So 18-wheelers and and those big double trucks. Um, 4,800 showers, 4,300 diesel lanes. And uh, so it's a place to go if you're a trucker and you want to stop and uh, rest up and get a bite to eat or get clean when you're doing one of these long-haul trips. So uh, I'm sure Pilot uh, is a welcome sight to most of these folks that are that are traveling on the road. With his money, which he apparently made quite a bit of it, he bought the uh, Cleveland. He, he invested in the Pittsburgh Steelers football franchise, and then he had the opportunity to buy the uh, Cleveland Browns, which he did. Uh, he purchased for about a billion dollars. And uh, so he owns that. He owns a soccer team from Columbus uh, called the Columbus Crew and uh, has done lots of philanthropic um, lots of philanthropic work. He, he lived, or his roommate was Bob Corker, 
in college from the, the senator from Tennessee. God, Tim, my God. Corker, you know, he was run out on a rail by yeah. the former guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they little were Bob, little little Bob Corker, they right? Yeah, little Bob Corker. Yeah, they were roommates in college, and uh, he had founded a, a uh, scholars program, and and uh, he still worked with and and helped uh, Corker as he got into politics, you know, years later. But uh, so I thought that was a an interesting sidebar. He's a member of Sigma Chi fraternity. His wife is very much involved in the business with him and managing it. And uh, one of the large oil companies tried to buy them out. I didn't read a lot more into it other than they bought them. And then a few years later, the, uh, the family bought, bought the shares back from the oil company. I don't think they were running it to the, uh, to the degree that uh, the original private, uh, private family owners did. So they brought it back from the oil company. Anyway, it's his birthday. Yeah, it's his birthday today. Got a lot of Good. money. If you got enough money to buy a football team for a billion dollars. And to help the truckers on their way, right? Right. Get a big, big, big icy. What are those huge pails of soda? You know, on the way back into the city off 95, I've been noticing this. Whenever we go out to see Bob's mom, when we come back, we used to always take the Lincoln Tunnel. Now we come up to the GW Bridge, and that's given me the opportunity to see this enormous facility that we drive by on 95. It's actually kind of cool looking, but it's a really big building, lots of glass, lots of lights, and it's all around it are park trucks. I'm guessing it's one of these places you can go to have a shower. Yep. There was a couple of these, like uh, some of these big truck stop places where you can actually have a room, take a shower. They had food on the premises while you're, you know, because a lot of pe- a lot of the long haul truckers, don't they either own their own cabs, which they can sleep in. I think some of them have actual accommodations or you would need a place to stop, right? Yeah, get hamburgers. This soup. was just a fueling place, so the guy, the that the, the pilot was a, just a place to get fuel and food, right? Well, fuel and food. It's like a convenience store. There's a hundred okay. of them across the country, so it's it's a large version of, I don't want to say a Seven Eleven, but it's it's it caters to the trucking crowd. I went to one of these truck stops in North Dakota. I think I told you with this very fancy gal, urban gal, call her in a miniskirt, and. Uh, she was watching her diet. It was the funniest thing. It was right out of a sitcom. She says she didn't like anything on the menu. She was like you. She wanted egg white omelet. <laughs> and the woman looks at her. Something the woman like looks at her. Jives, like, yeah. and, and the woman says, I'd like an egg white omelet. And the poor waitress just looking, staring at her. She goes, do you know what that is? <laughs> so the woman goes, I, I, I don't because it's all in a bowl and it's yellow. <laughs> So then, so then Rita says, uh, I'll, I'll, what's your soup today? She said, hamburger. <laughs> I said, Rita, I said, will you please? We're in Fargo, North Dakota here. It's 20 below. You're in a miniskirt. We're at a truck stop. Find something on the menu because you're not getting an egg white omelet. I don't know where you think you are. The Swan Room at the Four Seasons? I mean, <laughs> Swan Room at the Four What do you think we are? She's like, hamburger soup. I said, actually, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, basically, what they do is they take—I guess they take broth, right—and they just chop it's up hamburgers beef broth the night. with chopped meat, some onion, <laughs> throw a piece of cheese on top. Oh my god! Then you could call it like—I don't know—you could call it instead of French onions. If you did it like the French onion soup, where they do the cheese and the bread, you, hamburger soup. Boy, you were yeah, you were in a special part of the country, right? I had the hot. Well, you got Fargo. So anyway, that's that. So happy birthday, Mr. Haslam. Uh, 
Shop Talk, Mr. Nash. You found this, and uh, it was part of our uh, part of the tease in the opening when I said invisible work sounds good. Um, for many, many years, uh, you know, John and I have a uh, an agency called Triberry Productions, and John always says, John, as the creative guy, always says, I do my best thinking or my best work sometimes when I'm not sitting at a desk and I'm either on my bike or I'm taking a walk or a hike or at the gym or something, and I come up with with a, a solution to a greater problem or come up with some ideas. And so I laugh because this article talks about how people that will sometimes let ideas marinate and they're not necessarily on the clock, not necessarily behind their desk, but they're working because they're trying to think how to solve a problem. And so this writer has identified this as not procrastinating, but called it invisible work. And it's very difficult to track because you can get your idea at midnight, right? You can get your idea yep. waiting in line to get a buy a sandwich for lunch or something. So I thought this was brilliant because um, it acknowledged something that you and I have known and you and I have uh, thought about a lot of times. There's a lot of times you and I work on a project and say, let's let it sit with us for a couple of days and regroup and see where, where our heads are, right? Totally. And th- this, I think the reason I was attracted to this article was it seemed to validate my behavior <laughs> for lack of a better phrase but i cannot task based things like let's say i said to myself i'm going to do email from 9 to 10 in the morning i do that and then i need to just get up and do something else for a while because it's very task based but when it comes to solving creative problems or just even thinking about stuff like tim and i are working on a big project for a major corporation right now and we were presented with a huge amount of information at the start of it, which was all good. You know what I'm talking about, Tim? Like all the yep. research and all that. And, and it, you could sit and read it from nine to five, but but nuance and, and then all the other stuff that pops up. So Tim said, okay, you're gonna, you go read your, you read it, I'll read it, we'll reconnect later. It wasn't like read it now. It was like read it when you, so I would read it Kate, uh, like during the day, I would call it up on my iPad, read it a little bit. And then the next day we coordinated our efforts. What did you think? What did I think? But I, I, I think that this is one of the reasons why when I look at uh, the corporate structure of having to be in the office and having to solve these problems in the office, that if I did work for somebody, um, if I wasn't doing consulting or our agency, it would be, I, I just don't think with creative, you just don't snap your fingers and come up with it on the spot. And as Tim said, I've often commented that my best ideas come to me, not in a table and not on my desk, but often if I'm walking or more more importantly, 90% of the time, they come to me on my bike <laughs> when I'm riding. And I think it's because when you ride or you do something like cycling, it's a narrow bandwidth. You're, you're watching out for traffic. You're staying upright. You're moving at a certain speed. You're doing all these things. And there's this little part of your brain that's free to think and do whatever it wants. And boom, the idea pops in. Yeah, happens all the time with me. Yeah, and I think this. I, I think it's important to. Um, they also mentioned getting out of the office or getting away from your desk. And I was a huge proponent of that, of going out for lunch, even if it was just something simple, just to get out, get some fresh air, walk around, change the scenery. And uh, my last corporate gig I had, that was frowned upon. I found out later I was in trouble for leaving. How dare you leave the campus? I, you know, I'd walk out to go get a cup of coffee or something. I, yeah. was the market. I, I remember one time you called me oh and you like, God, I'm absurd. calling you from the gulag. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely absurd. But they forced. So because I went out to go get a Starbucks coffee, they ended up having Starbucks bring in a machine into oh the my office. Oh, God. 
So I didn't hear that part of the story. Yeah, yeah so that I wouldn't leave. I was like, I like going for the walk across the street. Clears your head. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was crazy to try to, but it was forced, you know, keep the people on the campus, don't let them leave. Well, Nike and all those places would do that, right? They'd have, they would have the uh, food and game rooms, and you basically stay in the laundry, cleaners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then they talked in here too about Patagonia, which had a policy of allowing employees to come up with their own structure for work. So, you know, if it was a great day to go surfing, let them go surf because you know they're going to come back and get their work done at eight o'clock at night or something. That's right. That's right. And, and that was, a, I think I'm glad you brought the Patagonia example up because that was a lifestyle thing that also fit really nicely into the argument that they know what they have to do, but yeah. it's a gorgeous day. I'll be back at five. I'll, I'll, I'll stay till eight or nine. Yeah. I did um, work with a specialized bike company out in uh, California many years ago and they had the same policy, but 25 years ago, I thought it was great. I, I got there one time and I was like, oh, everyone's out riding. And because uh, I was a little early, I said, oh, what? they said, it's a beautiful day. They said, so, you know, go out, ride, do your thing, then come back. Everybody will be back later. Do you want to come back around five, six o'clock? Seriously? Like, right. Yeah. And uh, actually, it was fine for me. I went back to my hotel room. I relaxed because I was on, you know, East Coast time. And uh, then I went back later. Everyone was back. So, but it's just a very different um, different way of looking at things, which I think is uh, well. It's also an acknowledgement that we don't that not all of us think in conveyor belt methodologies. Like we don't just have the nine to five, Monday to Friday. That's when my idea comes. Right. Um, they they did in the article talk about three ways to make room for this invisible work, and the first item they talk about is they said incentivize it. Give your teams the the money and the time to connect with strangers who will shed new light on old problems. These strangers can be found in your organization and in sectors outside of your norm. Those interactions will speak new con- will spark new conversations, apologies, and questions. Gamify the process and treat it like a quest. I just think you could stop it at just going outside of your bubble and bouncing ideas off someone because you just never know what comes up. I, yeah. I last week I went to see the Oscar animated short films with my neighbor, Barbara down the hall. You know, it's like an hour and 20 minute program. We hopped on the train. We went downtown, had a little, we, had, we were early. We had a little, you know, tea and a, a, a croissant or something. Then we saw the show while we were going uptown and downtown. I had showed her some stuff I was working on because she, she loves language and I was getting her vibe on a few things. She read something and she's like, well, I don't uh, She goes, I don't, I hope I'm not upsetting you, but I don't agree with <laughs> It's like I basically I got a critique of what I was like doing, which is what I wanted. It was not what I was expecting. And now I've rethought my project. But it, and that's the beauty of it, right? You show someone something, they react to it, you get a new insight into something. So what's their next uh recommendation? Next one is the one I just talked about earlier. Get out of the building. Yeah. And uh it, it says, you know, get out, walk around, see what else is happening. Um because it's gonna help change your Change your location, change your uh, your focus on things. So just getting out and uh, looking at things differently is a smart thing to do. And their last one here is take breaks. And Tim was talking about this earlier as well, kind of like when he visited the trek trek cycles. So they're like, well, yep. you can come back later because they're all on a break. They're taking it's a beautiful day. They're on a twenty mile ride. Think about breaks as scaled in multiple chunks of time. So you could take breaks during the day, but you can also take micro breaks throughout the year. And that could be a day off, that could be a half a day, that could be a, a, a dedicated break where you say, 
I'm taking the afternoon off and I'm going to go to a museum. This is something I used to do with my, when I owned my second agency, or maybe it was the first one, I used to take my assistant art director and our paste-up artist and a few other people to a museum now and then, or a gallery, for, the, for like a two or three hour thing. And it's amazing to watch what happens when you're in front of artwork or you're talking and laughing. And they'd come back energized and they'd want to solve some of the problems that we had visually, or some of these you know, visual problems that we had to right. do for advertising. So I'm a big proponent of this as well. And that includes vacation time. I know Americans are terrible at taking vacation, but getting away, changing your perspective, changing your mood, all helps. Yep. Shut your phone off. Yeah, <laughs> there at the phone. Yeah. When you're on vacation, right? I mean, unless there's an emergency you're waiting on, I, I think it, I have a friend of mine that just um, decided she, she's going away for three weeks and she put a note out to everybody, I will not have a phone. Really? Yep. She said, if you have an emergency, email me. And uh, You know, Tim, that calls. reminds me, do you remember the year, I think, I forget what year, we were still on satellite radio. I went to Mallorca for a cycling trip Yep. for seven days. I didn't bother, you know, and every, I'm sure many people hear me say this right now and they'll all nod their heads. It's such a pain in the butt to get your phone to go onto another system like in Europe. You could either you have to buy a cheap one or change the SIM card, all this crap. I decided just not worry about it and it worked out fine. And I actually could use Skype, you know, over, right. and that was kind of new back then, I guess. <laughs> I called my mom on Skype. I called it like, and I only had a narrow time band because of the time change between Spain and the rest of the world. It was the nicest thing to be disconnected. And I remember when I landed in New York and the phone came alive and all that stuff started coming. Ding, ding, ding. Populating. It was like, it was like Vegas or something. And I just thought, oh, it, what a drag. Now I have to spend time answering this or deleting it. And I guess you see where I'm going with that. <laughs> Well, coming into New York was always pretty back then, too. Yes. I mean, thank it God they is. got. Well, <laughs> now it is. <laughs> did they fix the airport finally? Oh, my God. Did you, you didn't read about LaGuardia? No, I did. But I'm saying before it, it oh, uh, well, JFK, it was yeah, a little, well, it's, a little I, dicey. I just remember the time you had, was it, um, who was the, the, the NBC Nightly News with, it was the Westchester County Airport. Pete, um, Oh, oh, um, Brian, Brian, somebody, I, 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 he I can't had, believe we're forgetting his name. He did this hilarious thing where he, he riffed on the Westchester airport. It's a regional airport folks. He had to apologize and he gets on the air and he says, I, Brian Thomas. No, is it Brian it was, Thomas, Tim? No. He does this whole thing where he says, Brian Williams, Brian, Brian Williams. Williams. That's right. And he says, you know, when I have some downtime, I like to pack the family in the car and go to the Westchester <laughs> County Airport. They have fine dining. I mean, he, yes. he apologized, but he turned it into this really hilarious riff on the airport. And, and I remember you actually saw him do it or heard him, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah, it was on Imus back in the day on Imus when <laughs> Imus had the TV show. It was on Imus. He's right. like, whenever my wife and I and the kids, we can't decide what we want to have, we'll just go down to the airport and walk the halls <laughs> and decide. <laughs> go to the Westchester County Airport. Because he said... What he did say was, he said, "I'm here at the Westchester County Airport, where every day is like the fall of Jac uh, uh, like the fall of Jakarta, because because <laughs> it was always so confusing and just such a turmoil. The airport, it, it, the first time I flew out of there, my mother was petrified and said, "Do not fly to Nigeria. Bombs, drugs. You know, they had this huge warning sign, enormous, like a billboard. Do not fly to Nigeria." My at mother was Westchester all nervous. Yes, do not accept anything. Blah, 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 blah. My mother was all nervous. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, you still so. parked on the lawn. You parked on the grass there. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just recently. In the last 10 years, they finally got asphalt parking lot. <laughs> <When up>. But <laughs> thank God for his little comeback. Whenever yeah. we have nothing to do, we bundled everybody up. We go down to the airport. I got to see if I could find that because it, it, for a while, you could find it on YouTube. I'll see if I could find that and post oh, it to our Facebook page. If you find it, we've got to play part of it it's on the so show. so snarky. Yeah, so snarky. So, hey, by the way, next time you're up visiting your folks, you might want to go to dinner at the Oxford Airport. I have been there for the year. For dinner, have a few you times. eaten there? Yeah, several times. It's not bad, right? It's very good. And it's an airport. Right. If we had a private plane, we'd go there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I thought I'd get right. one of those prop ones. Weren't you, wasn't Billy going to take you out to teach you how to fly? Oh, Billy. Billy has sent me some amazing information. I can take a virtual online course to learn how to be a manual pilot. And then once you do that, he's given me a couple of instructors to con- to talk to to go out for some of your test flights. There's one right up at the upstate near the house. And yes, I am still obsessed with it. And Billy also sent me the dates for the Ghent fly-in, which is the one I went to with him back in September. It was a gorgeous day. It was like my birthday weekend, as a matter of fact. And uh, I just had a, I was a kid in a can. You know how I was. I mean, yeah. all these beautiful planes and all the pilots are happy to talk to you about and they're very mechanical. You, you, Tim, I think you would really be, this would appeal to you. It, it I get, me, I'm too nervous in the winds with these little well, planes. Just the fact that you could walk up to the control panel and, and the cockpit and have a pilot explain what each thing does. It's very, it's very um, non-electronic. It's very mechanical. Right. Like pull this stick, this thing goes down. I can't wait for the next flying. And I do want to take piloting lessons or flying lessons. Well, you could fly from Oxford down to here. I wonder how long that would take you. You could rent a plane. Um, I'm going to say that I bet it would take about an hour and a half to two hours to fly down. I'm not sure how fast. Now, from Teterboro, it might be a little quicker because you can go right out over the ocean. Boom. Yes, that's right. You could, uh, and But then you have to do, uh, Billy explained that. You have to fly line of sight. You would fly along the coast and then veer in. But what? Hey, Tim, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. And I sent some of the information that Billy, our listener, Billy Kittner, sent us, and uh, Emma's partner um alex is a pilot where he has his pilot's oh, license right. and he's like everything your friend sent you just do it and then find someone to take you up and you'll you'll get certified so wow that'd be cool yeah. but we Would won't bo- be flying out of the westchester county airport no <laughs> Tudorboro. <laughs> just to just to tie that back to what we were talking about before so hey everyone we're going to wrap it up there we want to thank you all for joining us today on the focus group uh it means a lot to us that you spend time with us every week check out focusgroupradio.com and you'll learn about uh tim and i and you'll also learn about our podcast tfgm button available on tuesdays and uh check out deepdiscount.com. you go to focusgroupradio.com click on the deep discount logo start shopping away it's the site-wide sale March is awards month. I picked the Criterion Collection Citizen Kane. It's a 4K remaster with tons of amazing extra um, content that you will, I think you will truly enjoy. Tim picked a really cool uh, set of discs from Criterion as well. They're the collected movies of Fellini, inspired by his love of the B-52s and their love of some of the Fellini films as well. And the new release this week is Matrix Resurrections, uh, the final chapter of the Matrix movies. Again, deepdiscount.com. We're also giving away socks, focus letters at focusgroupradio.com. If you buy something from Deep Discount, just remember to include your mailing address and you'll get some Focus Group Radio socks. So thank you again, and we'll see you in the new week.
It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group. 